Making complex leadership decisions is part of being CEO. In this episode, I have invited Gail Gibson, the CEO of Geisha Consultancy, to talk about how value-driven leadership can transform teams and organizations. With over 15 years of experience in leadership coaching, Gail shares some incredible tips on how to inspire and develop those around you in times of disruption. And this is a bit of success. Hi everyone, welcome to a bit of success podcast. I'm your host, Jay. Today, I'll be talking to Gail Gibson. Gail is a performance and leadership coach and international speaker and has worked with many women business leaders, looking at their company culture that aimed at attracting and retaining great talent. For over 25 years, Gail has helped many women leaders set goals and perform to the highest level in times of change. Gail is also a podcast host of the Can Do Way show, sharing stories of can-do growth and inspire can-do positivity. So welcome to the show, Gail. Thank you. It's wonderful to be here today. So to start with, if you can share your background and how you have helped the women leaders and organizations to develop the right mindset and skills to achieve peak personal performance, Okay, so if I wind the clock back 16 years, um, this is when I started my business. So my background was in uh, a corporate role in uh, a leadership position in an organisation in the UK. So originally I am from Perth, Western Australia, and I was born, raised and educated there. And then I took off and became a global citizen. So I lived and worked in Canada Uh, and in the UK, and I have worked globally in the Middle East, the US, um, in Australia as well, uh, in the UK, and now my husband and I moved to the Southeast Asian region uh, three years ago. So I've now been working with women leaders and business owners in this part of the world as well. So my business started out um, in coaching. So I took my coaching experience from my corporate role And I decided to get fully qualified and I've been continuing to qualify and upskill myself over many years um, as a coach. And so what I was finding was that I started working initially with women who were running their own businesses, so small businesses and then small to medium-sized organisations. And I was finding that there was a lot of women who were struggling with running a business, perhaps managing um, a family as well. And they were just burning out a lot of the time. They were trying to do everything. And so it then moved into the arena of the corporate world as well. And I was finding that these same women were doing and similar traits. And so my performance, peak personal performance coaching was born out of that, in a way, necessity where women leaders were just all displaying these similar uh, traits and these similar challenges. And so I helped them through a process of letting go, learning how to create some boundaries and also looking at the leadership skills that they wanted to develop. So some of the perhaps hidden strengths that weren't coming to the fore in their roles and working on their strengths as well. So helping them to think about mind, 
helping them to think about their bodies and helping them to go into that inner self. So really tapping in in a very holistic way to say, this is who I am. This is how I want to show up. This is how I can perform and be at my best at all times. But it wasn't just about teaching them skills. It was actually about teaching them how to sustain that success. So how to continue to power up the muscle that we have in our heads called our wonderful brain. And, you know, you need to teach yourself or unlearn some of the bad habits that we may have taken from the past and start to learn and relearn and master new habits to take ourselves forward to a much more successful and almost authentic, authentic um, future for ourselves. So something, a future that is filled with, with meaning, with purpose, and it really fulfills us um, in all areas of our lives, careers, and businesses. Yeah, that's really good. It's really interesting to see how girl you first started from just wanting to help others, the people around you to, to grow. I also really agree with like how when you try to develop a skill, it's, it's really important to, to be consistent than trying to be really good at first. Because mm-hmm. it's just it's about taking the small steps and building the habits bit by bit to make That's it like right. part of That's your right. life. Yes, most definitely. So in your business, Geisha Consultancy, you have like a one-on-one leadership coaching program to help Mm -hmm. business and corporate leaders to challenge themselves and also achieve the um, successful outcomes. So what are the most challenging aspects of leadership training? That's a really good question, Jay. You know, I think one of the first things that I've noticed um, is going into an organisation, you know, we need to understand why they want to coach their Mm. people. But at the same time, it needs to be that the culture within the organisation, that the the leaders within that organisation buy into the whole idea of coaching. You know, for a lot Mm. of people, coaching is quite a foreign thing. Not everybody has been able to benefit from it in their careers. Mm. And I know when I look back to my career and my leadership role, i I wasn't given any coaching. Um, so I'm talking about the, the early 2000s, the company that I was working for didn't see coaching as a performance improvement and, mm. per, and personal development opportunity for the staff. So when I took that leap of faith from my role and started my own business, I really openly embraced coaching for what it was. And so I bought into the whole idea of how powerful coaching can be. And Mm. so coming back to the organisation, as I say, one of the challenges is why is the coaching coming into the organisation and what are they wanting to actually achieve from it? So does the organisation understand the whole process of what coaching is all about? You know, some some organisations, they want an end result. They want um, perhaps women leaders to be showing up better. They want them to be able to be ready for promotions and move into more higher um, leadership roles in an organisation. But is it that those women want to be moving into those roles as well? So what is the buy-in from the people who are going to be offered the opportunity to coach? Another one of the challenges that I see is what I've seen in the past and where I'm at now in my coaching is, you know, we often talk about strengths and weaknesses and we have SWOT analysis and we look at those kinds of things. 
But I have learned to, in my coaching, really play to strengths. So really look at some of those hidden strengths that are just below the surface. You know, the whole idea of a, an iceberg is only a small part of it is above the waterline. And there's a whole heap of iceberg below the waterline. And often in the work that I've done with women leaders is it's what's below the surface. And when we can bring it up to the surface and show, allow it to show up in who we are, how we act, how we behave, how we believe ourselves to be in the roles that we have, then that's when the magic happens. But that strength versus weaknesses can be one of those challenges that organisations have and in the coaching world. And the, first, the, the last one I wanted to talk about was that commitment. You know, I did mention it in the start that one of the key parts of my coaching process is helping women leaders sustain the success that they achieve from the coaching. So it's about making a commitment. It's about taking action. It's about shifting mindsets. But then it's about being accountable for yourself. So if you want to achieve something by a certain date, so if you set yourself a goal, and you want to achieve a change in behaviour, you take those small steps that you talked about, Jay, that then mm. who's holding you accountable? What is your own accountability to yourself? Do you have somebody you can partner with who can keep you on track, who can challenge you when you need it, who can really be that champion for you to really push you to end strong and achieve that goal? But it's more than that. It's all about taking responsibility. So if you take on a coaching opportunity that you show in yourself that you're going to take responsible action in the beliefs, the thoughts and the behaviours that you lead with so that you can become the best leader that you possibly can. Yeah, I find it quite interesting on how like um, people just don't are willing to ask for help from others and that's why they don't see the whole point of coaching. Mm -hmm. So actually, it's kind of interesting to sometimes see how organizations, they're actually willing to um, give up money to help others to identify their own weaknesses and strengths and have a better position in the market. So let's um, talk more about leadership. Why do you think that the leadership skills in the workplace are so important? To be a great leader is to be somebody who somebody who has got a really strong sense of who they are so a great deal of self-awareness they need to be emotionally intelligent and so um, you need to be quite a visionary you need to be innovative you need to be a very curious person as well but I think what I've seen particularly over the last two years some of the changes in leadership that have really come to the surface is some more of these nurturing, caring types of skills that need to be developed to become a good leader, which is such things as empathy, looking at self-care and being able to prioritise your own self-care so that you, mm. if you take care of yourself first, you can take care of all of the other people around you. But mm. it's leaders who are willing to show up and be quite vulnerable in their approach as well so that they build much stronger deeply connecting relationships with the people in their team and within the whole organisation. So I think there's been a huge shift because of what we've all gone through globally and just building on those connections and really, really saying, you know, it's not just about making profits at the end of the day. Yes, that's a vital part of running any organisation, any business. You want it to be a profitable business. 
But along the way, if you're running an organization and you've got a team of leaders, you want those leaders to be fulfilled, have purpose, and be quite autonomous in their work as well so that they can too lead themselves. They can become more resilient. They can develop strong growth mindsets and they can also be become quite powerful as a part of a team. So you allow them to be curious as well. So I think it's really, it's really down to those three things, um, which is mastery, autonomy and purpose. And this is, I, I've been reading recently a book by Dan Pink and it's called Drive. And he focuses on those three key elements of what leaders and what leadership and what organisations um, can take forward today. And it really is, if you can give people autonomy to be curious and make their own mistakes, learn from those things and be part of something bigger, they can then learn to practice skills, build those habits, set goals, achieve those goals, keep pushing performance, step out of their comfort zone. And then what really brings it all together is what is that sense of purpose? Is it a shared mission? And how are we going to get there? What is the vision? What is the mission? And let's get there together. So it really shows up as a powerful way of thinking about what leadership really can look like and for it to be a very successful outcome in the organization. Yeah, that's true. What I think leadership is about like a leader inspiring people to do stuff where they never thought they could have done. Mm -hmm. And also it's important to help yourself grow, but I feel like it's also important to help the people around you to grow at the same time. That's what a good leader is. Yes, I totally agree. You know, the best leaders are the ones who elevate others for success. This kind of trait is hard to have. And also we don't learn that in university or in school. It's something that we have to develop through experience and through talking to people. Yes, yes. So you you wrote a book called The Rise of C19 Leadership. And which talks about how to help the leaders to adapt quickly and to uh, identify new ways through this COVID-19 pandemic in order to continue leading effectively. Mm-hmm. So what inspired you to write this book? So in 2019, um, one of my fellow coaches and I, so she is the co- co-author of the book, And we were noticing in the work that we were doing that there were a number of shortfalls in leadership that were happening as a result of COVID-19. You know, as you said, it's about adapting quickly. There was was a lot of uncertainty around. There was constant change that was happening on a daily basis because everything was kind of the, the whole script of what a leader should be doing and how a leader should be running an organization was pretty much thrown out the door and people were having to work on the fly. They were having to make decisions quickly. They were having to rearrange work locations. They were having to work remotely with their teams and still be operational and continue to make a profit for the business. So we were seeing a lot of these shortfalls in leadership happening in the coaching work that we were doing. And this was happening across the globe. It wasn't just this region, it was everywhere. And you know, what? one of the things that suddenly jumped out at us that the organizations that were starting to do well and they were starting to really embrace some of the the key points that we raised in our book Mm. was that it um they were putting their people first 
So mm. they were actually connecting deeply. They were listening to their teams. They were making sure that everybody felt that they belonged and everybody felt that they had a shared purpose to be working toward. And that, you know, if they were having a really difficult time, which a lot of people have struggled with from working from home because you've got children being schooled, you've got partners who might be working as well, and there was lots of chaos going on. And the organisations that actually took time out to say, how are you really? You know, asking those questions, checking in regularly. And so helping people go through this change process and helping people to be able to thrive. And so that really was the, the whole idea of it. And we were noticing that leaders who were at an already level of emotional intelligence, it was it was a time for an upgrade. So to take them up to be next level leaders. So to help them to adapt quickly and lead effectively in an even mm. better way, how to be empath empathetic and inclusive in their approach, how to keep things real. So setting realistic expectations, becoming more collaborative and working with their teams rather than just leading from the top down and having a hierarchy of leadership moving its way mm. through the organization just all of these things. And it was all about saying, this is a crisis we're facing now. But mm -hmm. to be able to thrive through any crisis, it's about identifying what we can do and what does work for us. It's about adapting to the changes as and when they were coming. It's about adopting new habits and new practices and systems within the organisation. And then it's about embodying all of the positive aspects and the challenges that we're facing so that people can learn and can be enabled to be stronger, still performing their roles. And then the sustainability angle that comes out of it is that whatever we're learning, we can keep practicing so that we can master it and continue to have the success for a longer term. Mm. Yeah, it's kind of hard for business owners to change or adapt during this pandemic. They have to change the way they approach business and also communicate with employees are just totally different in this pandemic world. Also, you mentioned earlier, like how building a, a strong culture within a business, I feel like that's what makes a company um, successful. It's about the culture that we have, how you treat your employees, how you, how you check in with the employees. Those are the small bits of things that makes business successful. If you're cared about and you um, care about what you're doing, so if you are cared about by others and you also care about what the organisation is doing, people are happier, their, their engagement at work is much better mm. and they are more willing to do the work for the organisation. Yeah. They're more willing to, to, to step out of their comfort zone and go that extra mile because they feel mm. that they're being supported um, they're being guided, but at the same time, they're able to just take things on and, and use their initiative and get those projects projects happening, um, which leads to really positive outcomes. If you make your employee feels like you're part of a family where you don't feel like you're working at all, you're just going to put in the extra miles to work for the company and you might not even want to leave the company. So moving on to the next question. Gail, what do you think, what makes a great leader that people want to follow? 
So in, in the book, we talk about um, the C19 leader. So we, we had a play with the word C19, but ours was SEE, about seeing beyond so that you can become the leader you were born to be. Yep. And we liken all of the leadership traits that a good leader has to be that beacon of brightness. So it's a bit like a sunflower, that if that sunflower will, will be there to light up the room, to be the guide, and it mm. will follow when it needs to. So the positive leadership traits for a great leader is that they engage in communication with compassion. They are empathetic in their approach and they're very collaborative. So they'll ask the team to get involved and they'll mm. allow the team to make the decisions, you know, to actually say, well, this is what we need to achieve. I want you to come up with the solution about how we get there. And then mm. they also are very inclusive. So we've talked a lot about inclusivity. So making this culture of care so that people feel that sense of belonging and that sense of shared purpose as well. A great leader facilitates rather than directs. They don't sit in their office and just demand. They don't micromanage. They, they actually allow people to grow. They allow people to succeed. They allow people to, to check in with them and ask them questions. You know, it's all about the support mm. a good leader can um, allow to happen within their organisation, within their teams and within the larger organisation. A great leader role models the positives not just at work, but in life as well. So self-care we talked about before. If, if a leader shows that they are taking time out to actually say, you know what, there's boundaries. You don't have mm -hmm. to be um, on, on call all the time. You don't have to answer emails after a certain time in the evening. Weekends is your time off with your family and your friends or to go and do your sport. But when, when a team sees their leader prioritizing these things and showing that you know I am looking after myself so that I can be at my best mm. this is where that peak personal performance comes in and so that can spiral out toward the team and the team can start to say I need to prioritize and look after myself as well mm. if my boss is looking after him or herself I need to look after myself too and when I do I feel better I have more energy, I have more drive, I'm more curious, I'm more focused on my work and I'm more productive so that I'm getting great results for myself and my team. They positively inspire, motivate and challenge their teams. You know, it's not just about inspiration and motivation. It's about saying, well, what else can we do? Asking some of those deeper questions to say, well, let's think about what we did last time. What could we maybe do differently next time? Or how could that work in another way? So it's actually rising up and saying, well, present the challenges because, you know, nothing in life is that easy. And if we're never confronted by challenge, we actually never learn anything. Mm -hmm. We just learn one way of doing something and we stay within those boundaries, don't we? Yeah. A good leader communicates with authenticity and transparency. So whatever they say, they follow through with and they actually walk their talk. So they, mm. they, they have those open communications, they have open conversations and they create that within the teams. They're likeable and competent. So they're good at their job, but they are a nice person as well. You know, mm. in the past, a lot of people said, oh, you have to be really bossy. Um, you have to be really quite forceful with your teams and everything. But, you know, what we've seen again is these leaders who are actually asking those questions, getting to know families even on a deeper mm. level, really connecting with their teams. 
and that makes them you're not you, you don't want to be best friends with everybody in your team because you can't do that as a leader but mm. you can be open you can be fair and you can enjoy working with people as well so you're likable and confident competent and the last one is about encouraging the creativity you know just people getting out there and being curious, being inquisitive, asking questions and thinking about all the different ways that they can make their lives better, they can make the team's life better and they can make things better for the organisation as well. So it's all about empowering team members to be their best selves, to look after themselves, to perform at their peak and to sustain that performance level going forward. Yeah, that's really good. If let's say you want someone to do something, you need to first start by doing it yourself. If they find it useful or find it great, they will just follow your footsteps and, and do what you're actually doing. Fantastic. Absolutely. Yeah, let's talk more about your podcast, The Can Do Way. So okay. um, The Can Do Way podcast is where you share your, the stories of individuals uh, who have developed a strong can-do approach. And... Why do you think a can-do attitude is essential? You know, I, I liken having a can-do attitude to a big adventure, you know, because to me, life is one big adventure. So yeah. whatever you choose to do with your life, whether it's in business or in career or not, you know, whatever mm. you do, when you embrace adventure, it is something that can take you on an incredible journey of self-discovery, mm. amazement, wonder and excitement. And so the can-do attitude is one thing that means that you are willing to step out of your comfort zone. You know, when we step beyond our comfort zone, some of the best things happen because when we sit in it and we have this little cocoon around us, we feel that we're protected, but at the same time, we're limiting ourselves to really stretch ourselves into who we can become. So when we go into, when we go beyond our comfort zone, we can explore all that can be for ourselves. Mm. We learn to embrace change. We take risks. We learn from the things that we see and do and think and feel, the conversations we have, the books we read, the podcasts we listen to, the people we connect with. You learn from the things that you might lose or fail at in life as well, because, you know, those are some of the best learning things ever. And so with this can-do mindset, mm. one thing that it teaches you, this can-do attitude, is you keep going. You learn from it. You keep powering up that muscle that is our mindset. And we keep going. You know, we some people might say, oh, you just can't keep going. It's relentless. It's relentless. It's relentless. It's about keeping going, but knowing when to put in the right boundaries so that you don't burn yourself out, so that you just don't go hell for leather and just continue, continue, continue. You take time out. You prioritise that self-care so that you can recharge yourself, reframe your thinking and reset yourself to move forward again. So just I think that a can-do attitude, it really helps you become who you were born to be. And what it does is helps you to flourish in life. Yeah, that's awesome. There's no age limit on when you should stop learning. You should keep learning even after you retire. It's good to, to pick up a book or like talk to more people to broaden your, your knowledge and also like the things that you know. My last question for you, girl, could you share three of your can-do tips uh, with my listeners? I certainly can. 
So this is a favourite question of mine on my podcast. The first one is one of my favourite things I say to clients and I I say to everybody and I do this myself. It's about being curious. Mm. So when you're curious, you look at the world with just no blinkers on at all. You are fully scoping every possibility that's in front Mm. of you about saying yes to opportunities, about going to places that you may not have gone to before, about taking that leap of faith and saying, I can do this. So stepping beyond your comfort zone, be curious and always ask, always just, you know, don't limit yourself, always go beyond, but just ask the questions, explore, discover and and have some fun with it. The second Mm. one is about being kind. Now, there's two parts to this. One is be kind to yourself first. You know, Mm. as I said before, the whole self-care angle, when you are kind to yourself and you treat your mind with respect, you treat your mind with compassion too, you know, we can beat ourselves up and we can Mm. say that we're not worthy this and we're stressed about this and we have doubts about this and we're not really capable of doing the job that we're doing. But all that does is it just drains our energy. It eliminates all the good stuff that is inside of us because we're being unkind to ourselves. So when we're kind to ourselves, we treat ourselves the way we talk to ourselves, the way we act with ourselves and the just the, the different ways that we empower ourselves to be in a better state. And then it's about being kind outwards as well. Be generous. Think about how much you can give others rather than what you're going to get in return. It's a great leadership idea that I was, um, I I witnessed in a program I just did recently. And, you know, it's that whole mindset shift when you think about what more can I give that is going to enable somebody else to learn. And so rather than me thinking, well, what am I going to get out of it at the end? Because what then happens, the more you give, the more you get in return. So being kind outwards, giving more of yourself, but but putting yourself first, getting yourself in that kind position, and then spreading the kindness outwards. And the third one is about being responsible. You know, every day we wake up and we can take an attitude as to what kind of day we're going to have. And we can be responsible in that moment to say, you know, it's pouring with rain and you might get something, something might happen in your morning that you might think is going to turn your whole life upside down. But it really depends on the attitude that you take and whether you lead with responsibility or you lead with negativity. So when we're responsible, we think, if I respond this way, then this, this and this can happen and I can have myself a good day. Whereas if I don't take responsibility and I dwell on what may have happened that maybe really, really, I might think is a really bad thing or it's really going to hold me back, Mm. then the whole rest of my day will be dragged down as well and I'll be, I'll have no energy. I won't be great to be around. Other people won't want to be talking to me because I'll be negative. So think about responsibility. Each time you're faced with, whatever happens to you in life, you can be responsible and you can think one way and you can act that one way or you can stay and hold yourself back 
um, and hold yourself in a in a holding mm. pattern that doesn't move you any further forward. So be curious, be kind, be responsible. Thanks so much, Gareth. Well, it's been lovely to, to chat with you and thank you for your wonderful questions that you've asked me. Thanks for listening to A Bit of Success. Hope you get as much out of it as I did. And if you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others or leave a rating and review. To catch all the latest from me, you can follow me on Instagram and on LinkedIn at A Bit of Success. Thanks again, and I'll see you next time.